right, and we are live. Welcome to another episode of Chasing 69 in New York Jets podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 13th. My name is Blake Pace, and I am joined today by nobody. Our good friend Teddy Pristash is on vacation. Uh, you know, the work ethic of, of people uh, in 2022 is just, it, it's tough to see, you know, some people just take it so easy, have it so easy in life, and, and Teddy Pristash qualifies for that, you know, he's he's just had it easy his entire life, but um, no, I'm just messing, Teddy's on vacation with his uh, girlfriend and his lovely family, so we've got a solo podcast today. Uh, not going to be as long as what we usually do. Teddy and I go about an hour, I'd say, or at least around that time frame. We're going to keep things a little bit shorter today. Uh, conversation, really, we're going to be took, taking a look at some tradeback situations or scenarios for the New York Jets with the 10th pick. Um, is that something that, I guess, in recent weeks is something that I've been uh, coming more to terms with if I'm the New York Jets, uh, just looking at this draft class as a whole and really what the best way is to attack this draft class. So going to look at some tradeback situations. We're also going to take a look at some uh, new updates to top 30 visits, pro day visits, virtual visits, all that stuff. Um, before we get into all of that, make sure to support our show, like, subscribe to the podcast, uh, go over to our YouTube channel, New York Jets underscore chasing 69. Follow us on Twitter, NYJ underscore chasing 69. Follow myself at Blake Andrew Pace. Follow Teddy at Teddy Huncho. Um, without Teddy around to distract me, I was actually able to remember to, to to mention that in the first two minutes. So make sure to support our show. Uh, we appreciate it. We're just a couple weeks away from the draft, um, so you know, really getting down to some fun times. I was going to take a look at day two picks today, but that's a conversation I really want to have with Teddy because, to me, you know, I know four and ten are where the Jets can really land two very impressive studs, but. Picks 35, 38, 69, nice. Um, those three, you know, you're going to get some really great value for your picks there. And you could you could walk away, you know, Joe Douglas being one of the biggest winners of this draft based on how day two goes. So going to save that conversation with Teddy. Um, you know, to start things off housekeeping, you know, this is two weeks in a row where it's it's been pretty quiet. And that's just not with the Jazz. That's around the league. It feels like March was full of epic trades and and all the signings and now it's kind of died down a bit I think teams are at the point where they're fully fully focused on the draft um, and we'll kind of see the what third wave of free agency happen after the draft is concluded because um, then obviously you know a, a team sitting there you know the draft is the one scenario where you can control what players come into your um, organization and that's you know uh positional not specific players you can choose okay well we're just going to draft our best available running back in the fourth round or interior defensive lineman in round three whereas in free agency then you can say okay we've addressed these holes in the draft now let's look to what free agents uh we need at other positions so pretty quiet on the jets front haven't seen too much news no transaction since april 4th or april 5th so nothing to really talk about there. Um, I did want to give a few updates on some visits with the Jets. Um, you know, cornerback Derek Stingley, who they did meet with uh, at the Combine and was discussed last week. They brought him in for a top 30 visit. Um, he's a name that, like we mentioned, one of the top players heading into this uh, past season. Injuries, inconsistency has pushed him back a little bit. If the medicals check, he should still be a top 12 pick. Um, so keeping their eyes on, on one of the 
stronger cornerbacks of this class. Uh, they've brought in a few defensive tackles. Perion Winfrey um, from Oklahoma, top 30 visit. Devontae Wyatt, top 30 visit. This kind of echoes my thoughts. To me, with, with pro days, when for the Jets, there's two different top 30 visits for them. There's the, who are we considering at 4-10? and 10? I think that should take up a fair chunk of these top 30 visits. Wide receivers, edge rushers, taking a look at the offensive linemen. The other half are more so positional guys that we we know we need to address that position. These are guys that we would love to see the fit or maybe want to learn more about. Um, but we're more so just kind of showing ourselves a little bit who we're going to be targeting in the late round. So I've mentioned I like the idea of bringing in a defensive tackle in round two. Perion, Devontae Wyatt, some of the stronger names out there. I also really like um, Travis Jones out of UConn. So clearly shows that they're going to be taking a look at the interior defensive line, whether or not that means they kick Quinnen out to a three-tech and get a nose tackle or keep Quinnen at nose and um, you know, add in someone who's a little bit slender um, on the smaller side, maybe a little bit more athletic uh, remains to be seen. But either way, it looks like they're, they're definitely considering the interior defensive line um, probably in that day two, early day three range. Um, brought in an interior linebacker, Jake Lucchetta, for a top 30 visit out of Penn State. To me, more so, this just goes uh, right along with the fact that linebacker is a need. It's one of the more... Um, empty positional groups for the Jets. When you take a look at their depth chart, I know that they've brought some safeties down, and we've talked about that you know, previously as well, too. Um, two draft picks over the last two years have changed from safety to linebacker for that weak side spot. To me, there also should be considering you know, the eventual C.J. Mosley replacement at middle linebacker. Not that they need to get rid of him at this point, but having a guy who can you know, take some reps off of, uh, you know, an aging body throughout 2022 and eventually pave way to, to hopefully be the starting linebacker, um, you know, 2023, 2024, whenever that day comes. Uh, that's another name to keep an eye on as well, too. Another position to look at, you know, it's not just what weak side linebackers are they going to bring in, you know, for passing situations or, um, you know, run game before they break into that uh, 4-2-5 defensive formation. Um, but it also seems as though the interior will, will be addressed. Also brought in offensive lineman Evan Neal out of Alabama. Like I said, this is one of the ones where you're just like, these are one of the best players that could be available at four. So we're going to just take a look at everybody, make sure we do our due diligence on all of the top names that um, should at least be in consideration with the fourth pick. I don't like the idea of them going offensive line first round. I'd rather just take a tackle later in the day since, you know, right now they've got their starting five pretty pretty clearly mapped out. But, of course, you still have to bring him in. He's one of the top guys in this class. You saw they've already brought in uh, Iki Iquanu, um, some other offensive linemen as well. So um, my favorite, <laughs> which has just been a virtual meeting and, and all hail to the FCS, uh, South Dakota State's Pierre Strong Jr., uh, a running back. I don't believe this article has been released at the time this pod drops, but I did take a look at some day three running backs that I did want the, um, you know, I did want the Jets to to take a look at, you know, a backup for uh, Michael Carter, someone that can kind of pave a little bit of a different role. I'm not the sold on, you know, Tevin Coleman, uh, who's getting up there in age, had one of his worst seasons this past year. 
To me, Ty Johnson really isn't that great of a fit. I think he averaged 3.9 yards a carry. Um, I don't really love his fit in the offense, so I do think that they need to um, address the running back spot, whether it's, you know, rounds four, five, six, seven, or if they go undrafted for agent two. Um, it's got to be in discussion at some point for me if I'm the Jets. So it's strong, and I, I think when you look at the running backs that the Jets will most likely target um, in general, you know, throughout day three or undrafted free agency if they choose to do so, you're still going to be looking at the same prototypical running back that fits this, um, you know, 49er scheme now brought to the Jets, this wide outside zone uh, offense. Strong to me, you know, is, is one of those fits. You're going to be looking at undersized running backs, um, you know, good change of direction, comfortability in a zone offense. You really don't want to try and throw somebody in that doesn't have experience to this offense. You always like to try and connect the dots. Uh, Pierre Strong, <clears throat> specifically, not the biggest guy, really nice footwork, great breakaway speed. He tied for the uh, longest or the quickest 40 time at this past combine uh, for running backs. So one of the fastest guys in this class. Patient in the backfield, has good vision to uh, anticipate defenders, see when a hole is about to break open, um, and still plays physical despite being undersized. Now, the downside with him, I guess, comparatively with some of the other guys that I've been looking at, and I'm just stealing this from my, you know, from the article that I wrote um, earlier this week, like I said, yet to be released at the time of this recording. He is a little high cut, and because of that, he doesn't have the greatest uh, balance, center of gravity. Um, he is a little clunky at times and, you know, doesn't bounce off defenders, you know, the way we see a Michael Carter do. Um, but, you know, he's a two-time captain, three-time all-conference player, didn't receive a single FBS offer heading into college, and then, you know, went to the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, FCS, with the Jackrabbits. Three 1,000-yard seasons in his career. Um, really the lone exception to that, it would have been four if the 2020 collegiate season wasn't shortened. I mean, he also averaged 7.1 yards a carry in four seasons with 43 total touchdowns. Production was amazing. People are going to say level of competition at running back. I don't really view that as too much of a problem. Um, you know, if, if you're quick, you're quick. If, if you can, you know, I guess if anything, you know, bigger defenders at the pros will be able to wrap him up. Um, but really... He's someone that's not going to help too much between the tackles. Footwork, speed, combo, really make him a good, uh, you know, number two option uh, behind Michael Carter. To me, that's that's a, a need that should be addressed. I would take him probably, say, around round five. Um, round four would be a little too rich for me. But if you can get him in those last three rounds, he would be someone that I would target. And it's nice to see that they, they've already decided to... Uh, to bring him in and start taking a look at running back. I think what that tells you, like we've said with these other positions that are a little bit new to the top 30 visits, they are going to be looking to take one of them um, at some point in the draft. So running back is on the table for New York. Outside of that, just a couple more. Uh, safety Lewis Seen out of Georgia, you know, one of the top safeties in this class, a top two or three safety, depending on who you're talking to. They bring him in for a top 30 visit. To me, that speaks early round two pick. Uh, at the safety position, uh, whether it's Seen or um, Dax Hill out of Michigan, those two guys, you know, versatile defensive backs, experience playing other positions, corner safety. Um, I, I think we can love that we've got, or the Jets can love that they've got Jordan Whitehead, that physical playing down in the box type safety. They still want a better free ranging one. Um, these two would be really solid options, Seen 
has already been brought in for a visit, and I don't believe, let me take a look at last week's, yeah, he's the only safety to be in this thus far, but I think it just shows you that position itself, not maybe seen specifically, will be in uh, the conversation around pick 35 and 38. And then the last one we've got is tight end Isaiah Likely, top 30 visit from Coastal Carolina. Uh, We've already talked about them bringing in uh, Jeremy Ruckert. They met with him at the Combine. I don't have anything yet on a top 30 visit. Actually, no, I do. So they, they've also brought him in for a top 30 visit um, This you know since last week. Last week, we just had that he met at the Combine. He has been brought in. He's you know the hometown kid, grew up loving the Jets, would love to play there. These two guys are going to be the Y tight end. So they're more of the receiving tight end. We've already got Uzoma or, and, and um, Conklin. Those are going to be the blocking physical tight ends. And Really, you can pair that with a tight end who's more of a receiving guy. Um, Maybe pick 69. That's where maybe I would start taking a look at a guy like like Rucker. Maybe a little bit later for someone like Isaiah Likely. But like I said, with safety, with running back, linebacker, defensive tackle, these are just positions that, you know, it's not going to be necessarily, oh, we're going to get all these guys the top 30 visits. It's no, we're going to target these positions and we want to take a look at some of the best names that should be available in the range of where we might be picking. So those are the updates I've got on top 30 visits. Haven't seen a ton else. I'm just going to keep tracking of those and we'll, we'll keep looking until they've got their full list probably as we get, you know, maybe a week or so away from the NFL draft. What I want to talk about and spend most of our time today on is to trade back or to not trade back. Um, You know, last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about the 10th overall pick, Teddy and I breaking down our top five wide receivers. Great episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, I I really recommend you go back and give it a shot. Um, Really, since then, I've been, you know, doing a, a, a... full evaluation of the draft class, picking up on, on what we're hearing from other draft people. The real value of this draft is not at the top. Um, there are really talented players, you know, through the top 10 or 12 almost. But um, where you get the best value for your picks is really late round one and then early day two. And when I say value for your picks, it, it ties in with, I guess, matching the salary, matching the draft capital. You know, pick four in next year's draft is going to be infinitely more valuable than pick four in this draft class. And it's the same with last year. Last year, pick number four was Kyle Pitts, a generational talent at tight end. Pick five was Jamar Chase, uh, you know, what looks like a generational talent at receiver. Jalen Waddell, very talented wide receiver at six. Those kind of players are not there in this class. So the real value is, you know, getting, you know, a... a Travis Jones with the 38th pick or getting a Dax Hill with the 35th pick. Like that range right there is where you're going to be able to get the best value for your pick. So because of that, I really started to think that Joe Douglas should should heavily consider moving back a, a little bit in the first round. And there's a few things to consider. Um, to me, if all five wide receivers are available at pick 10, I'm definitely trading back. That That's something that I just... You know, if, if no receivers go one through nine, right now the only one I would consider maybe taking a wide receiver would be eight at Atlanta. Um, so if they decide to pass on that and go another position, all five are available at 10. If I'm the Jets, this class is deep enough where I would start trading back. Let other guys take their top wide receiver. Let the best value of one fall to you because I don't think they're that far apart. I definitely have my preference, you know, for a Drake London, Traylon Burks, Jameson Williams. 
I have a preference for those three, but at the same time, I'm starting to see a lot where, you know, other guys have, you know, um, what's his name? Garrett Wilson as the top receiver in this class. And I see people have Chris Olave as the number two wide receiver of this class. If that's the way the board falls, trade back. You know, Drake London could be available in the teens. Um, Traylon Burks could be available in the early 20s. That's what we're starting to see a little bit. So if I'm Joe Douglas and I think that I can make this offense work or help Zach Wilson out with one of any of these five wide receivers, why not move back a little bit? Um, I would be maybe a little more concern if one of them was taken at eight with Atlanta, but that's still four wide receivers. And as we go into our first, I'm going to, I've kind of picked out four trade scenarios um, and I'm just going to go over each of them. The first one to me is the Philadelphia Eagles um, at 15. And, you know, we've already seen Philly give away some of the first round picks, pick up an extra 2023 first. Um, so, not sure how much moving around they're going to be doing, but they're a team that's kind of in the same situation where the Jets, where it's like we have this young quarterback that is entering almost a prove-it year. We're just going to load up on offensive talent, see if we can make the most out of him while he's a relatively cheap quarterback. If not, if we're bad next year, we'll just go get one of the top arms in 2023 because it is a loaded class at quarterback. So if Philly is sitting there and they have you know, a, a standalone wide receiver one at pick 10, they might want to move up to to get that guy. And if you're the Jets and you like four or five receivers in this class that you think can help out your young quarterback, pick up some extra picks. You know, the trade value chart and something that I, I was filling out, a, a, I was simulating a PFF seven-round mock last night, the trade I ended up coming up to, to terms with, and if you look at the trade value chart, it, it, it's pretty even out. Um, the New York Jets receive pick number 15 this year, Number 51 this year, which is a second round pick. So that's three second rounders now and a 2023 third round pick. So you're picking up two this year. Uh, uh, you're, you're sliding back five spots, but you're also picking up a second rounder and a third rounder the following year. You also gave up pick 146 this year, which I believe is a, I'm not doing math well in my head. It might be a, a fourth round pick. Yeah, that's a fourth round. So you're giving up a fourth, you're giving up 10, you're sliding back five spots, picking up an extra two this year and a third next season. To me, I, I really like that. I think, like I said, you know, I, I've expressed the desire for day two talent in this draft class. And so picking up and being able to get four guys between 35 and 69 is a really good haul for Joe Douglas. And you can target defensive tackle, linebacker, safety. Um, you know, positions that aren't top needs, but you get guys that are serviceable and could be, you know, paved the way to be future starters at their position. At 15, God, Drake London could still be there. You know, my top guy, if they go up, if Philly goes, we want Garrett Wilson, you know, Washington could go wide receiver. I think they go in the secondary at pick 11. And really after that point, there's not a team I would see taking a wide receiver until the Jets at 15. So you could still get, you know, as long as Philadelphia doesn't take Joe Douglas's top guy, you can slide back five slots and still get that top guy. Um, so that's one trade to consider. Pick 51 when I was doing that mock, just so I can let you guys know who I ended up picking there. Uh, it was linebacker Chad Muma out of Wyoming. Really nice linebacker, good weak side guy. Could honestly probably start on this defense next season, um, but you're able to pick up him in the you know mid to late parts of, of round two, which I think is a really solid um, get after you already address, you know, two second rounders. In this situation, I, I had Dax Hill available. 
at 35. So I took him, the safety, um, out of Michigan, and then I took Travis Jones, defensive tackle, out of uh, UConn at 38. So right there, you trade back 15, Drake London, 35, Dax Hill, 38, Travis Jones, 51, Chad Muma. Um, I went interior offensive line at 69, uh, Dylan Parham out of Memphis. But really, those top four picks right there, I'm getting four impact players in the top 51 picks. So to me, I love that haul. Um, you do need Philly to to really uh, crave or really need you know, to get their top receiver um, for that trade to work. But who knows? Maybe, maybe that uh, is a situation that could um, unfold over the next few weeks. Uh, the second one I looked back, you're trading back a little bit further. You're sliding down to 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This one, I like it. It mimics the trade we saw last year with the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants on draft day, where Chicago moved up from 20 to pick 10, I believe, or maybe it was 9 or 11, somewhere in that range, 9, 10, 11. They moved up um, to get Justin Fields, and in return, the Giants got a, um, excuse me, they got pick 20, and then they got a, a first-round pick the following year, which for the Giants ended up being, whether it's the, the fifth or the seventh pick, it's one of those two ones. I believe it was the seventh, so... You move back 10 spots and you pick up a first next year in a class that we are all talking about how loaded it is, you know, just being able to add more first, you know, and, and sliding back 10 picks. Like I said, I don't see five receivers going between 10 and 19. I could see a couple. I could see even maybe four, but I don't see five guys going at the wide receiver position between 10 and 19, you know. Philadelphia could address it. New Orleans could address it. I don't think the Chargers would, but they might be um, if they're just looking to load up at, at wide receiver talent. So if you're sliding back to 20, who knows? Maybe a guy, gosh, if, if Drake London keeps slipping, if, if you know people prefer the speed of Jamison Williams, if they prefer the Ohio State wide receivers, you know, I, I just, in a situation where you're sliding back to 20, one of those guys is still going to be available. And for Joe Douglas, the value of picking up a 2023 20, first I mean, that just might be too much to pass up. Um, so that's one to consider. What's tough about it is you, kind of like with Philadelphia needing its top wide receiver, you need Pittsburgh to want Malik Willis as its future you know, quarterback. It seems like the Carolina Panthers are moving forward and they're going to take Kenny Pickett with a six overall pick. To me, Malik Willis is the top guy of this class. He's the only guy that I think I'll end up having a first-round grade on. I mean, it's not going to be a high one. It's going to be more of a... Trey Lance, Mac Jones type first round grade, not not a high one, but Pittsburgh's been connected to him a bunch. I love the way that he could kind of, you know, Mitch Trubisky could bridge into the new age offense with Malik Willis, where 2022, you have this athletic quarterback um, who can run in Mitch. Malik Willis may not be ready to start the season. He probably should sit a full year, in my opinion, um, kind of like a Trey Lance scenario. So you have Mitch kind of bridge the gap in 2022 for Malik Willis in 2023. So I really like that one. The, the thing is they need, it's quarterback only for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh does not, is not a team that trades up often. That's just not their MO. That's not how they operate. But when you take into consideration quarterback, that's where things change a little bit because this is the first time they're needing to draft a quarterback or at least, you know, sincerely looking at a franchise quarterback since the early 2000s. So your draft plans change a little bit when it's a, a position of value like quarterback. So Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, I like the 
I mean, they're both, those are my top two trade options right there and, the, and why I discussed them first. You know, with Philly, you're sliding back to 15, you probably still get your top guy or, or at least one of your top two guys and you also pick up two mid-round picks. Um, Pittsburgh, really what the value is, is yeah, you still slide back 10, you probably still get your top guy, but that 2023 first, I mean, every team should be looking to add picks in the 2023 NFL draft. So those are kind of the top two options I look at. Um, outside of that, there's a couple more. Um, I, I think they're less likely when you start sliding back beyond the 20th pick, just because the the capital that teams would have to give up in the 20s to get you know to number 10 is a lot. But look, if the Green Bay Packers are really desperate for a top wide receiver and they don't want to wait around for you know the one that falls or you know in the second tier of wide receivers when you start looking at a Jahan Dotson or uh, Christian Watson. Maybe at that point, you know, Green Bay sitting there saying, we want to get a stud to replace um, Devontae Adams. We can't wait around for a guy to fall into our laps. Let's go get him now. So the trade value chart works out where there's a couple options they can go with, and it kind of mimics both the trades we discussed earlier. Um, so you could trade back to 22 and also pick up a 2023 first uh, for Green Bay, which if you're looking and comparing to Pittsburgh, you're moving back a little bit further. Green Bay is probably going to be a better team next year as well, too. So that first might be a little bit later. So I'd prefer the Pittsburgh trade. Um, or you can kind of do the Philadelphia approach where you pick up, excuse me, where you pick up pick number 22, you pick up pick number 53 um, in the second round, and then you also get a 2023 second round pick. Um, need Green Bay to be desperate for a wide receiver? I think they are. Um, they could just try and, and say with pick 28 and 22, we're just going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, and try and hit on both of them. Um, they're still a team that has other positional needs, so I don't know how likely that is, but could be in that scenario um, where, where the Green Bay Packers are available. And, and then the last one, and this is just a fun one to discuss because I, I just think getting this haul and, and four picks in this range would be really fun. You know, if, if I'm Joe Douglas, just being able to piece together these parts, if the Chiefs come calling and the Chiefs are saying, hey, we just got rid of Tyreek Hill. There's a receiver in this class that reminds me of Tyreek Hill, at least a little bit in terms of speed. We want him as a replacement. The, the Chiefs don't want to wait around. They want to get Jamison Williams. Do they give up 29, 30, and a fourth-round pick next year? And would the Jets do that? Because with the Jets, what that does is that gives them four picks between 29 and 38. You can get a good, startable wide receiver, interior defensive lineman, linebacker, safety. If that's your haul right there, and say you get a Jahan Dotson, a Travis Jones, a Chad Muma, a Lewis Seen, those are guys that are all impact players, and you've got four of them in in you know just the the opening forty picks of that draft. That one seems the least likely. It's the most fun to me, I guess, just because it's like, well, you've got four pick. I, I just having two extra firsts in that draft. And you can say we picked at 4, 29, 30, 35, and 38. Like those are impact players you're going to be bringing in that are all going to be startable day one. Um, so I don't think it's likely. I think moving back from 10 to 29 is um, 
a little out there just because of, you know, you're, you're just, you're falling back so much. And you are at that point missing out on the top five wide receivers. I don't see a scenario in which even, you know, a Traylon Burks who seems to be falling in a lot of people's boards is available at 29. I would say, you know, around the, the area with Green Bay at 22 would be where he falls the most. Um, so like I said, with that trade with Green Bay, if you can get Traylon Burks at pick 22 while picking up a future first or more mid-round picks, why not? Um, the Chiefs, you're, you're starting to look at that second tier, whether it's Jahan Dotson, George Pickens, Christian Watson, and those are good receivers. They're just in a, in a you know, the top five are a completely different class. So then you're sitting there, you've got, like I said, 29-30, 35-38, get a starting wide receiver, a starting defensive tackle, a starting weak side linebacker, and a, you know, starting safety who doesn't need to start right away because they've got two starters, but could be if he's, you know, if he has an impressive camp. Pick 69, fourth, fifth, sixth round, just fill in some backup spots. I mean, to me, that's like a slam dunk draft uh, for Joe Douglas. Like I said, don't think it's the most likely scenario, but um, is definitely one that could be out there and, and would kind of just be fun to say Joe Douglas is just, you know, picking up, you know, the best value, getting the most out of his, uh, you know, picks in this specific class. Because like I said, the value is not in the top 10. It's in the, you know, 25 to 55 range. That's where you're getting the best value for your picks. And so to have, you know, four of those picks in that range would would be um, really fun to watch as, as Joe Douglas kind of forms this team um, into its final version for 2022. That's really all I, I wanted to get into today. It's tough to do these and run these by. I would have loved to have run these trade scenarios by Teddy and just hear him, you know, complain about moving back too far or talk about what we need and what we don't need and get all of his Jets bias uh, in there. But um, would have would have been nice to do that. But of course, we're solo today. So it's going to be a lot shorter. I'm kind of just sitting here reading off everything to you guys that I've, I've thought up in my brain over the last, you know, couple of days. So um, that's going to be all for us today. We're at 30 minutes. I I just, I, that's kind of everything we've covered. So, um, I appreciate you all listening. Teddy will be back next week. Like I said, we'll probably get into some day two picks, day two targets. And then the week after that, it, it's draft day or it's, it's the draft Eve. So, um, we'll probably just give our final, maybe we'll do a mock draft. We'll take a look at, at the halls that we came away with in our own personal mocks and We'll uh, we'll go into the draft, and it's we're almost done with the off season. It's gonna get a little bit dead for the show um, in between those summer months. So Teddy and I will be in the lab trying to think of some fun ways to keep the show live and, and keep doing some fun stuff as, as we near closer to the 2022 season. Um, but you know these next two weeks are gonna be extremely fun, and uh, yeah, we'll see if the Jets can can walk away with with some amazing talent in this draft and and start to make that leap. Um, as a team that can, you know, be a seven-win team or, hey, we're in the hunt and it's, you know, mid-November. You know, that'll be fun for Jets fans. Hey, we maybe we win a game in September. That would be fun. Um, so we'll wrap things up. Appreciate y'all listening as always. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore Chasing69. YouTube channel, my personal at Blake Andrew Pace. Teddy's at Teddy Huncho. Um, one of these days, I, I think we're going to let Teddy's burner sit for a couple of years and then let you all know about it, but he's got a fun burner out in the Twitter sphere as well, too. Um, so thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.